Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your sovereign plan. Thank you that out of these generations you promised and brought us Jesus. And as we study your word, help us to trust what it says about him. Help us to see that he really can save us from our sins because of who he is. To take to heart what you have said about him. Help us to praise you and to follow you. Amen. Amen. Reading from verse 18 through to 25. It's quite a short section tonight. Uh, The birth of Jesus Christ. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until he had given birth, she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. I'm going to pause that, and uh, the children are going to go out to their groups. And don't worry, they will come back. Uh, Well, the children have gone to their groups, uh, so I wonder if you can help me out. Uh, I'm in a bit of of trouble. Um, I've got to make an announcement. And uh, it's about a new baby that's been born. Uh, And I'm a bloke, so I'm a bit clueless about this kind of thing. So uh, you have to tell me what's the key info I've got to get across. Because if I miss something out... You know, these text messages are going to be flooding in. What, what's the key information I need to get across? Come on. Sorry, the set. Boy or girl? Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, anyone else? I'm taking notes here. Huh? Wait. Wait, okay. Boy and girl, wait. Yeah. Name. Name. That's a pretty big one, isn't it? You've got to get the name right. You've got to spell it right. Any other things? When. When it happened. Exact time? Yeah. Anything else? Where it happened. Thank you, Faramaz. Anything else? What's the distinction? Well, I'll give you another gruesome one for the ladies, okay? It's how did it happen? I mean, why do we need to know? I mean, the baby's here, it's fine. But we've got how did it happen? Was it a C-section? Was it a natural birth? Was it, you know... It's just all the gory details. You don't need... Okay, right. That's my bugbear for tonight. But, you know, these are the things, aren't they? Weights... Time, place, boy, girl, and the name. The name is important. And um, actually, we'll be covering uh, the place of Jesus' birth and, and the time of his birth in chapter 2. But this is, a, this is not a bad list as we think about this part of the Bible and what Matthew's wanting us to know and why. All the details about Jesus' birth are here. 
except maybe his birth weight. It really did happen. We'll hear about the birthplace, as I said, in chapter 2. But first, in our verses today, Matthew wants to focus on how. We see that in verse 18. It starts, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. Do you see that? In this way. And we read from verse 18, this is anything but normal. Let's read it again. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Mary's virgin birth, well, it's instantly memorable. And it's unique. And so it should be. There's nothing else like it. And it's astounding. And yet, it's also so familiar to us that we hardly even bat an eyelid anymore. It's become the pop answer in the Christmas quiz. Mary, the virgin. Uh, or that magical part of the, Christ, the, ca- the carols we love to sing. But Matthew's intention here is so much more than that. He wants us to see two things through it about who Jesus is. They're there on your sheets, and both are revealed by a messenger and a name. First, that Jesus will save his people. And second, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Let's look at the first one. Jesus will save his people. We get that in verses 20 and 21. Let's read together. Verse 20 and 21. But as Joseph considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is the first of three visits to Joseph by a messenger from God in a dream. We've got two more next week, uh, next week. And each time it radically alters the course he's on, the action that he takes. On this occasion, well, he's set on divorce. We see that. As Joseph sees it, this really is the only way forward. Mary has been unfaithful. His mind is made up. The law carries a death penalty, sometimes death. Uh, sorry, it carries a penalty, sometimes death, uh, for her supposed infidelity. And Joseph's own innocence is at stake here. He could be under accusation about this. And it would be perfectly understandable for Joseph to want to make the charge public and clear his own name. But knowing that it would ruin and potentially threaten Mary's life, he decides to take the risk and divorce her quietly. But make no mistake, that's the only alternative on the table here. Going ahead with the wedding, with the marriage, that's not an option. But in just a short while, if you look down at verse 24 to 25, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph were against everything we've just said. Take Mary to be his wife, 
and adopt Jesus as his own son too. What could cause him to do that? What was it about what the angel said that that caused such a drastic change? Well, uh, verse 20, uh, we we see four things. And they'll come up on the screen. There's two in verse 21. And there's, uh, there's two in verse 20. And there's two in verse 21. Uh, so four things uh, in, in what the angel said to him. Here they are. He says this. He says, Joseph, son of David. Uh, Joseph's family connection. We saw this last week, didn't we? All the way back to David. It's actually about the identity of a king. And Jesus is to be a king. And his role was to keep the people safe. So that's what we saw last week. So he starts off with that. Joseph, son of David. Secondly, conceived of the Holy Spirit. The baby really is God's intention. And God's doing. Um, God has miraculously intervened here. That which is conceived in Mary is from God, from the Holy Spirit. That's a big reason. Uh, Third solid reason is the name they had to give Jesus. Here we go. You had to name him Jesus. And that name means God saves. That's what the name means. And the fourth reason is that Jesus will do just that. He says it again. For he will save his people from their sins. So we get the picture here. This is Jesus saves from sin. It's there four times. And actually, if if you were a Jew reading this, there'd there'd be a slight fifth as well. There's a bloke called uh, Joseph, and he's having dreams. Does that remind you of anyone? Okay. Joseph, having dreams, was the brother that God used and raised up in Egypt to save the rest of the family, to save the people. Um, so actually that's a, a slight subtle one because we're not Jewish or, or perhaps we didn't get that straight away. But there's Joseph um, and he's dreaming. So all of the flashlights, all of the flags are pointing to this one thing. Jesus is the one who will save people from their sin. Jesus will save people from their sin. So the big news for Joseph then, and for us, is no longer just that a virgin is pregnant, but that this baby is King Jesus, who will save his people from their sins. We'll think about how the people had sinned in the next point. Next we see that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And we see that from Isaiah 7 verse 14. Jesus is God with us. In verse 22, Matthew says this. It's his own words. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Matthew draws a straight line between the details of Jesus' birth and what was promised way back during the time of Isaiah. This is Matthew's aim all the time, constantly, to say that all of the Old Testament is about Jesus and it's being fulfilled in him. He'll do it four more times in chapter two. That's, that's a pretty, that's a going sum, isn't it? That's a rate. Um, and this is one of loads of quotes he introduces just like this. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken, this time by the prophet. So what did the prophet say? Let's read that. The messenger. Uh, let's read the second message. It's there in, verse, uh, in this verse 23. And it's from Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call him, his name, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Does that sound familiar? The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. It's Mary, isn't it? The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, to understand this a bit better, the situation in Isaiah's day that he's speaking to was that God's people were melting in fear at the news that two neighbouring uh, nations had joined forces. And God's word, through the prophet, was that they should not fear. The people who were looking so threatening now, they'd soon be overthrown. Because an even greater nation, Assyria, would soon sweep them away. Um, God's promise came with a sign. A son would be born to a virgin. And the boy would be called Emmanuel. Which, uh, and it's a reminder that if God is with them, they would be safe from their enemies. At the time, God told them this. He says, before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, before he breaches maturity, the land whose kings you dread will be deserted. You've got nothing to fear. God is with you. Hold on to him. Well, if God is saying it, you'd think that would be enough, wouldn't you? But actually they trusted what they thought rather than what God had said. And actually this is a vivid picture of what sin is and what it leads to. And it's serious to ignore God and what he says because his words, they're life. And it will lovingly protect us from death. It's a bit like a father with a toddler. Now this is quite close to, you know, this is close to home for me, so this is why we're talking about it. Um, You can tell a toddler, electric socket, well maybe not Eddie, but you can tell a toddler when they start to understand, electric socket, no, that's dangerous, don't go there. You can show them, that's a busy road, there's traffic. Wait. Your word is life-giving or life-preserving. And, and, in, and to, to go against it, which is what they want to do, isn't it? They think they know best. They think they're safe. And they want to pull away. They're always trying to pull away. And they might even break free. They think it's hilarious. But actually, it sends them right into the path of massive danger and we're smiling because it's true but the consequences are scary aren't they if you think about a toddler you break free from the the word that gives life and things go terribly wrong and that's the consequences of us turning away from God as well Uh, for the Israelites in Isaiah's day it looked like seeking security in the strong nations the ones that God had talked to them about. And actually, when the Assyrians came, they, they were taken off too. 
Exactly what God said would happen, happened. They didn't want God with us. They wanted these guys with us. And that was what uh, ultimately brought disaster. Um, And actually, if you look back at verse 11 of chapter 1, this event is such a big deal, this being taken off into exile, it's such a big deal that it actually divides up their history. So in verse 11, it ends at the time of the deportation to Babylon, and it starts in verse 12, after the deportation to Babylon. It marks their whole history, the fact that they wouldn't, didn't trust God. They didn't trust what God had said, and because his word was meant to protect them, they pulled away from him, and they faced the consequences of that. And so it's, it's no wonder, really, that when Jesus... The, the first thing we hear about Jesus in Matthew's Gospel is that he's there to save people from, this, from their sins. It's not, it's not saving them from uh, Brexit or saving them from uh, you know, financial debt or saving them from their biggest illness, perhaps their chronic pain. No, it's saving them from sin. The people at Isaiah's time, their sin was their deepest problem. Well, Isaiah's telling us that Jesus is God with us. And what does that mean? Well, it means that God is with sinners. God is with sinners. Because that's who we are. And there's lots of ideas about God out there. And they would basically see God as this, quarantined. Because you know what? God's perfect. And we're not. We're far from perfect. So in order to keep, the t- to keep him perfect and to keep us away from contaminating him, God is this quarantined God that stays away. Some people, lots of people would believe that that's how God is and the only way he can be towards us. So there's no point, really. You can send, send a few arrow prayers up there, but he's, he's never, ever going to step down and be a part of things in this world. Um, and uh, that's actually, we, we, we believe that because that's how the world operates. Um, the accused person in, on Twitter, on, in the news, well, they stand alone, don't they? All their mates, people who once had, had them as their friend, just gone away because they don't want them to be they don't want to be incriminated by association they don't really want to be seen on the same page as that person that's what we do only the bible tells us about a god who takes a step forward who stands and even dwells amongst those who are accused those who are guilty god is with sinners Uh, Jesus himself, who was holy because he trusted God's word. And though Israel in the wilderness failed big time, Jesus obeyed God completely. And yet in him, God was willing to be associated with sinners. And you see that picture, the sinner, person who's been blacklisted, and the person who's associated with them. 
they look by association uh, incriminated, don't they? Guilty by association. Jesus, who himself was holy, was willing to be associated with sinners and even to be counted among them. And while Jesus' own integrity remained unblemished, his reputation, well, that was hauled through the mud. Jesus entered the arena of scandal and false accusation at his birth, didn't he? Because Mary's, that's not going to look good. He entered that arena of scandal and false accusation at his birth. And actually, there's another account of Jesus' life that says that people later used this as an insult. You know what they called him? Son of Mary. They called him Son of Mary. Basically saying, you're a bastard. Yeah? He, they're calling him Son of Mary because, uh, because of this. And so Jesus is actually face, taking on the scandal right from his very birth. Jesus is God with sinners. Can you see that? He's, he's right there with sinners. And by association, he looks guilty. He's not, but he looks guilty. And um, like I said, uh, we have, today we have massive trouble accepting that Jesus is God with us because of this very thing. Lots of religions would say, he can't possi- God can't possibly do that. And because it's so difficult for, for us to... Um, it's worth seeing that God promised it, didn't he? From all the way back in Isaiah, he said, God is with us. This is promised. This is what God always said would be this way. And all of the Old Testament points to a miraculous man who is God with us, Jesus. Well, what does this mean for us? Um, I think the big question is, are you a sinner? Do you think you're a sinner? Do you know you're a sinner? I do. I know that I'm a sinner, that is. Not, not you. And if you're a sinner, then this is great news. Jesus died. Jesus came for sinners. He will save sinners. If you're not a sinner, it's not going to really matter to you. If, you. if you don't think you've done anything particularly wrong, then... Well, you'll leave the same way that you came in the door this evening. Completely unchanged. Maybe this is the first or the hundredth time you've heard it. Uh, Do you see that your deepest danger is actually the one that you've put yourself in? It's not the dangers out there that are going to come and get me. It's actually the danger within. Uh, sin can look obvious. Sin like this can look obvious. It can be a clear refusal to listen to God at all. But it can also be subtle. We hear what God says. And ten minutes later we just do the opposite. And actually, whatever it is that we've done, we have all trusted in ourselves and our path rather than what God says. We have all pulled away from him and run into the greatest danger imaginable. And my guess is we've started to experience some of the cons- painful consequences of doing life our own way. It goes wrong very quickly. Relationships break. People get hurt. 
But Jesus saves people from their sin. And all we need to do is trust that he will do that for us. Um, There's three things on the screen uh, that you can take home to remember. Um, Is this a new idea to you? The fact that you're a sinner, that you need saving from sin? That's that's the thing that Jesus will do for you. Um, Maybe that picture of the, the toddler will remind you Actually, that's, that's, that's a really dangerous thing that God is trying to, that God can and will uh, bring to an end. He will, he will bring you into safety forever with him. Uh, maybe uh, you're a religious person, and like I said, God's, God's that kind of not coming close. He's, he's out there, but he's never here. I see that Jesus is God with us. He's, he's, he's okay to be associated with sinners. In fact, in fact, he loves to be where sinners are um, because he will save them from their sin. Um, and maybe uh, you're a Christian and you're, well, you're a saved sinner. That's who you are. Jesus has saved you. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that worth telling other people about? Um, and actually... If we say we're Christians, this really should be somewhere where sinners are welcome. And actually, they don't sort of have to say, oh, you know what, I'm just not going to talk about that. Or I'm just going to, um, you know, just say, oh, yeah, I, I didn't, you know, I've been doing the right thing this week and all of that kind of thing. No, if we believe that Jesus saves people from sin, this is where sinners are welcome. And not just welcome, we're actually going to go out and, and meet them ourselves. We're actually going to be the people who... God is with sinners. We are with sinners. We're not just having our little holy huddle or you know, patting each other on the back. We're actually wanting to share the gospel, the good news about Jesus with them. Um, so maybe this has given you a few things to think about. Um, let me pray and then we'll have some questions. Lord Jesus, we are not expecting such wonderful things. Uh, It was not just the events surrounding your birth that we are told about you. All of the scriptures have pointed to your coming and what would take place. Thank you for your saving love for us that stretches down the ages. Thank you that you are willing to dwell among sinful humanity and take on their scandal and their sin. Thank you that you save sinners. Thank you that you are God with us. Please show us that we are sinners who need saving. Thank you that you save and promise to keep us safe forever with you. May we know the joy of knowing all our sin forgiven and the assurance of life forever with you. Amen. Amen.